Two services next week. Going to be awesome. Fantastic. Man, I've just been missing them. It's uh, just great to just enjoy God's presence. Over these last few weeks, God has really been talking and speaking into our lives. And how many have felt God has been challenging you on um, how you use your tongue and what you're saying? How many are finding continually God's challenging you? It is. It's amazing, isn't it? And uh, I'm finding it myself continually. And uh, we did a season where we talked about taming the tongue, identifying the ways that we speak which are negative and destructive and, and change the atmosphere around us. Now we're looking at how we constructively use our tongue. And so we're looking at uh, a whole series now on the creative power of the tongue, the ability of your words to create atmosphere and to create life. And uh, we have that verse, remember, anyone remember, Proverbs 18, 21? Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it shall eat the fruit of it. So in other words, we will eat the fruit of the words we speak. And the words we speak can impart something to us. They can impart death. They can impart life. You choose. And so I found as I've been speaking even on the series, God's been speaking to me also about the same area. I've been finding myself being challenged all the time on how I speak, continually, how I speak to children, how I speak to various people. God continually putting His, uh, his uh, finger on it so He can improve what's happening in, around us. And uh, we shared last week, we shared with you a different ways about how you could uh, influence and shape the world around you. And the first place to start was by shaping the world inside you. And so we looked in Ephesians 4 verse 29. Ephesians 4 29, uh, it talks there. Can anyone remember that verse? Anyone remember that verse? Uh-huh. Don't let any corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. In other words, guard what you're speaking. Put a stop to negative talk. Said, but rather such which is good to the use of edifying. Edifying is to build up, to strengthen, to make something, to enlarge something, make it bigger, better than it was. To edify, build up. So he says, notice this, he's talking about the words we're speaking. Stop talking negatively. Learn how to speak words that build up, that impart grace to the hearers. And uh, that word impart means to give or to give uh, to transfer something that's needed to build. And that something that we can transfer is the grace of God, the life of God. So it's not like we're just ordinary people. We have the ability to bring into the lives of others a word of God, encouragement from the Lord. Words we speak can touch the hearts and strengthen the lives of people around us. What a tremendous chance. When we were in the last year, we, were, we did a seminar, uh, and it was just prophetic evangelism, how to hear from God and speak words that open up the hearts of people. That was fantastic. How many enjoyed doing that? That was really good. That's something to keep doing. See? And, and, of course, what happens is as you speak words from God, as you speak from your heart the things God's speaking to you about, then what happens is it, it opens up and touches the lives of people, builds them up. Most wonderful gift, tremendous gift. That's why the Bible says, covet to prophesy. Covet, in other words, all the gifts. It says, covet to bring words from God that lift and build people up, release destiny into people. Release destiny into people. Come on, release destiny into people. Release hope into people. Hey, people are hungry for it. And you and I have the ability as representatives of God to speak into people and to release the word of God into them. And that word of God brings life. Ezekiel prophesied into dead bones, live! And God came on them and they lived. Now God never came on them until he spoke. 
say. So we have power in our words to speak and something from the Spirit of God can be transferred into people. Well, that's got to be good. So tell someone next to you, speak up, don't mumble. You won't impart life mumbling, you know. <laughs> that won't do it, you know. I've got to speak words and speak from our spirit into the world around us to change it. Now, notice in that verse, Ephesians 4, 29, uh, it says this, Don't let any corrupt words come out of your mouth, but rather that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may impart grace to those who are listening to what's being said. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So your words can release the Spirit of God or grieve and quench the Spirit of God. See, we can stand here and praise and ask God for, to work through our life, but then our words can grieve Him and the Spirit of God withdraws. If He withdraws, you don't impart grace to people who hear you. Okay, we're getting there. Now, what we saw last week was that the one that you listen to the most is yourself. And last week we were talking about how you can speak words into your own life, into your own spirit that shape what's going on in your inner world. I encourage you to get that if you weren't here and begin to start to look at each of the steps I gave. They could all be developed further. So they're just the seed steps of what to do. But I can tell you now, you can change your inner world. Now, if you're not going to change it, who will? Okay, now then we talked about changing first your inner world because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if I don't change what's going on in my heart, if I'm still negative inside, inevitably negativity will flow out. So it's not a matter of just stopping the words. I've actually got to change the attitude of heart. I've got to let the Holy Spirit in and work with myself. And we saw that required that I deal with inner conflicts and unresolved relationship hurts. And we talked about how to do that. It, it involves that I begin to break mindsets and, and stop agreeing with words which are limiting and negative and begin to start to speak words that build in a positive and begin to start to impart life into the world. Huh? And so we saw how to do that last week. Now, this, this time, I want to start off this year. I want to talk about, carry on that same thing. We talk now about shaping the world around you. Now, one of the first places is to shape the spiritual atmosphere around your own life. So what I want to do today is to talk how to shape and build the spiritual atmosphere around your own life. And then next, we'll look at shaping your relationships by the Word of God. Then we'll look at shaping the world around you. In other words, how you release the Word of God to shape and influence what is happening around you. Is this good? Okay, so they want to look at uh, building or shaping your spiritual atmosphere. huh? Shaping the spiritual atmosphere around your life by the Word of God. Or shaping your personal spiritual atmosphere. And let me just talk to you. you know, most things that are spiritual are actually really easy to understand. Anything that God wants to teach us, usually very, very simple in its, in its concept, is just we make it hard. And uh, so when it sounds complicated, I kind of switch off to tell the truth because God talks real simply and directly. Uh, the things he shows us are hard to put words to sometimes, but the things he wants to teach us are very, very simple. So first what I want to do is I want you to, we're going to just talk about atmosphere for a start off. I want to talk about something that you would know and understand. And this is something we can all relate to very, very easily. We'll talk a little bit about atmosphere, define what it is, and different kinds of atmospheres. And then we want to look at spiritual atmosphere, what that is. And there are three things that it could be formed from. And then I want to just give you some simple keys how you can shape your own spiritual atmosphere. Okay, so first of all, the word atmosphere comes from the, means this. Atmos means vapor, and from the word spheria, meaning sphere. So literally, atmosphere 
is the sphere of, or the circle of vapor that just surrounds the world and is held to the world by its gravity. Note that, we're going to talk about that in a moment. The atmosphere that the world has, if we go outside, we can feel the atmosphere. Go to uh, Singapore, Asia, it's a different kind of atmosphere. Smells different, feels different, everything about it is different. You go to some countries in the world, the atmosphere is quite different in some countries. And uh, some places, a very heavy atmosphere, different kinds of atmosphere. So there's a natural atmosphere which circles us. We live in that atmosphere. We live and we breathe that atmosphere. So the atmosphere is the air surrounding the earth, which the gravity holds in. It's also a surrounding or prevailing mood or influence. An atmosphere is a surrounding, prevailing influence. Think about that. A surrounding, prevailing influence. What influence what spiritual atmosphere surrounds you and does it prevail? See, because if we're going to talk about uh, making influence, spiritual influence and impacting people, you have to be able to carry something on the inside to do that. Otherwise, you get overwhelmed. Uh, we used to do an experiment at high school. You get a can, you put a, bit of, a, a big four-gallon can, put a bit of water in it and boil it. When you boil it, it turns to steam. You drive all the air out. Now, if you just put a cap on it and let it cool... What happens is, there's the atmosphere, there's the air's been driven out. The water then, as it cools, just turns to, from vapor, turns to, uh, to just to water drops. And then you see the whole four-gallon tin crush. And you can't see what's crushing it. But there's something crushing it you couldn't see. And what's crushing it is the weight of the air, which is in the atmosphere around it. And it just literally collapses. I've done it many times. It just collapses, about 14 pounds per square inch in the way I used to remember it. But it is quite, there's an atmospheric pressure. The weight of the air has an atmospheric pressure. If you go into the sea, the further down you go, the greater the pressure of that environment on you. So the atmosphere naturally exerts a pressure on us that affects us. And unless you've got something inside you to be able to, uh, to, to, to withstand it, you'd collapse as well. Okay then, so there's natural atmosphere, and it's quite distinct and tangible. You can feel the atmosphere. Today it's quite sticky. Yeah, everything, you know, you do a little bit, and then you're sticky and gluggy, and you feel uncomfortable, you're going to have a shower. And uh, well, the air con, need an air con in here. You know, that's what I really need. <laughs> okay, so now let's just talk about some different kinds of atmospheres. Obvious one, you can maybe go into uh, uh, to Taipei, you'll notice, or Thailand, you notice all of the policemen wear uh, these masks on because the atmosphere is polluted. You can't see it unless you look around in the sky, you can see it, but it's polluted and it will affect their health. So remember, atmosphere then is the prevailing influence that's around. Atmosphere can't be seen, but it can be felt. And atmosphere can affect your whole life, your quality of life. You can either thrive in it or be destroyed in it. Atmosphere gets polluted, it affects you very, very seriously. This time of the year, uh, you get a lot of pollen in the atmosphere. You don't see it unless you look on your car in the morning, but even though you don't see it, it affects your eyes, affects your nose. So the atmosphere has effect on us. So that's just a natural atmosphere. But then there's other kinds of atmospheres. How many of you have uh, walked into a, a home where there's been a death in the family and immediately you felt a tremendous grief? You can feel it. You can feel Well, what, what are you feeling? How can grief be felt? It must create an atmosphere, spiritual atmosphere that comes in on you and you feel it. 
And you can think of other kind of negative sorts of atmospheres. Now, I'm not talking the natural atmosphere. I'm now talking about the mood or the environment around you. Just start to think of some atmospheres. I had one of my daughters, Siri, she, she, she wanted to go to cricket, one of these, international, one of these cricket matches over in Napier. And my, my brother said, you don't even know what, you're not interested in cricket. Oh, yes, I am. And, uh, he, and she, he said, no, you know, you don't. who's playing? Oh, oh, oh. He didn't have a clue who was playing. He said, why do you really want to go? He said, well, I love the environment, the atmosphere, the excitement of all the people. So when you get in a crowd at a football match, it gets incredibly exciting. What is it? The whole atmosphere changes. It becomes changed. You change the atmosphere. You can actually feel it, and it affects you. You get into that, you get excited. You know, you can go into places where there's negativity and pessimism, where everyone's gloomy. Have you ever met uh, someone who's very, very gloomy? Have you noticed that when you get around them, after a little while, it affects you? Their influence, their spiritual atmosphere that they're carrying now is coming in on you and it's starting to affect you. And if you don't do something, they'll be the prevailing atmosphere, not you. Come on, think about that. I remember we were in a, in a, in a cafe. It was the funniest thing. And we'd just been in a move of God, in the presence of God and carrying the presence of God. Went into this cafe and there's this old farmer there and, and he and his wife are sitting there. And well, every time he opened his mouth, he was negative. But we'd just been in the presence of God. We'd just had these great meetings and God was around. We're carrying the presence of God. We began to start to laugh. And the more we talked and laughed, every time, then it became a while. Every time he opened his mouth, he would be negative and we would laugh. We were just, we were just, we just were killing us. In the end, we were just roaring with laughter in our seats, just laughing. And, you know, just the, the whole humor of it all. And, and after a while, it overcame his talking and he began to laugh. He began to change. And when we left, he and his wife were still laughing. In other words, the, the atmosphere and the way it was expressed overwhelmed what was on his life temporarily. Because as soon as we left and stayed away for a while, then he would go back to his normal state, negative and pessimistic. Eh? Uh, how many have been in an atmosphere where it's controlled? There's a strong control presence. And we get a, you get a, some people, and I haven't been in a home like this, like not in Bay City, but not for a long time, been in a home like this where there's a strong controller. Boy, you feel like, I'm going to break something for sure. You've got to watch your feet in case you trip or, or, or get something dirty. You, you, you feel it. And what are you feeling? You're feeling a strong, dominant, controlled spirit in there, and you're feeling this pressure to comply. So you do what they want you to do. That's a prevailing spiritual atmosphere. See, so people do carry it and they can fill their home. Ever been in a home where there's, there's a great sense of, uh, of uh, tension in the home? You go into it, you, there's no, everyone's trying to be, they're trying to be nice. But you can feel the tension. But what are you feeling? You're feeling the prevailing spiritual atmosphere. How many have been in, a, in, in an environment where it's incredibly confused? The Bible talks about, uh, it's in, in Acts, I think, 29, says the whole city was filled with confusion. What's going on? Confusion. No one can make decisions. So it's an atmosphere of confusion. When it gets, and it can get over people. It gets over a whole city. Got over a whole city. So those are some of the atmosphere of distrust. That's a shocking one because you can't build relationships in an atmosphere of distrust. Now, what is this thing, this atmosphere? Obviously, it's spiritual, it's felt in your spirit, but it's made up of something someone's putting out there. And if they're putting it out, you could put something out that's different. 
And we're called to do that. So we have to learn how to build and develop a strong spiritual atmosphere in our own life and become aware of what's around us so we can change it. Isn't that right? Now, of course, uh, you see, a spiritual atmosphere get in a church. You get a lot of broken relationships in a church and get conflict and backbiting and talking very soon. It's an unhealthy atmosphere and people are not attracted. Even though God wanted to add them in, they will stay away until this issue is addressed. That's why unity is so crucial because the mission cannot be accomplished without the church maintaining unity of heart, vision, and focus. One, one heart, one mind, one spirit. We're getting the idea now? All right, now, of course, there's other kinds of atmospheres too. There's an atmosphere of excitement. Oh, yes. Excitement. I love Anna's full of excitement. Everyone around her is too. She's built that into youth. Do you love it? She's excited. You see it in her eyes as she carries it around everywhere she goes. I like that. Why not? See, I'd rather have an atmosphere of excitement about something. You go into a place, you go into it just before a show. Sometimes it's an atmosphere of excitement. Everyone's in anticipation. And you can feel it literally. And, and you get excited too. Well, either though you resist it, you overcome the excitement with your passivity. Okay, there's a, a enthusiasm. Enthusiasm creates an atmosphere, an atmosphere of confidence. You know, when a person is exude, we heard, heard this term, they exude confidence. Well, how can you feel confidence? What is it that's happening? What, what, what are they doing that's causing a flow out of them that you would feel when you're with them? This is a confident person. There's something going on inside them that is being commuted. They don't go around sort of, I'm confident. That's exactly what they don't say. In fact, someone says that, you probably, they're not confident. But you can feel it. It fills the atmosphere around. A confident person, the atmosphere around them is filled with confidence. They just exude confidence. Ever had a guy selling you, in a, uh, trying to come to the door to sell you something? Oh, they're full of confidence in their product. If they aren't, they'll never sell it. Now, interesting, they have to build an atmosphere of confidence to overcome your resistance initially. So you find a, a salesman who's a good salesman will have this hugely confident attitude, confident in the product, conf, very confident in what it is and what it can do and why you need it. And, and this is going to be wonderful. Your life will be so much better because of, now you see if they just said, oh, it's a good product, you're, you're not going to respond. They are overcoming the natural resistance. They, if they come on too strong, I walk away. Can't handle it. Uh, uh, there's another kind of atmosphere, a romantic atmosphere. Now, that's a nice one to cultivate. Not many homes have that. But they should have a romantic atmosphere. You can create a romantic atmosphere. Come on there. You can, no, look, oh, wait, wait. I saw a few. Sh- Man, we're going to have to have a, we're going to have to pray for some of the men here. They must have broken ribs on both sides now <laughs> after the last few weeks. A romantic atmosphere. So you can create a romantic atmosphere. If you can create it, you can also destroy it by rudeness and crudeness. You can create a romantic atmosphere. And, and so, what is there that you can feel? You feel something, and it affects you. See, men, if you're smart, you create romantic atmosphere in the home periodically so that your wives will glow, and they'll be very loving to you. That'd be good. That'd be good. Some, oh, what's that? Oh. See? It doesn't mean you turn on the telly and watch rugby. That's not a romantic atmosphere, exciting atmosphere, but definitely not romantic. Romantic, you think more of candles ah, and nice music. 
Ah, now we're getting it. Flowers. Oh, yes. Now we're getting into romantic ground, you see. See? see? Some of the ladies here need so much romance, they buy themselves flowers, you know. You'd be surprised too. Okay, so, the, so we've got then atmosphere. You've got some idea about atmosphere, so it is very real, it's very tangible. It does affect people. It can be built and can be developed. And it's real. People get affected by it. And it affects you. And you can either thrive or you can go down under it. Now, here's the interesting thing is, if you have a look at David's men, David's men, it says this was what they had in character, this is what characterized all of David's men. They were distressed. That means they were really down in the mouth about a few issues in life. It says they were in debt. Aha. Uh-huh. They owed a lot of money. And they were discontent. They were cranky. Uh, that's not bad, is it? Three. See, they were, they were in those conditions. Now, then it tells you a little later in the Bible, it says, it says this. It says that they were mighty men of valor. Well, how do they go from being distressed and in debt and discontent, how become mighty men of valor? There was a prevailing spiritual atmosphere over David that being with him and drawing on that and associating with him, they were changed by that spirit. They changed on the inside because they wanted to change. They wanted to be different. They didn't want to be cranky. No one enjoys being cranky. No one enjoys being in debt. No one enjoys being upset. See, they wanted something that he had. And they saw there was something he carried. There was a charisma around his life, an anointing around his life, an atmosphere of God that was attractive to them. When we went down to the park, we were able to change the whole atmosphere in the park. Get a choir of 100 Bay City people up singing. The whole atmosphere changed. And I could feel it from over the road. I, had, I was just getting changed. I was up in my room upstairs, and I could hear the practice going on. And you know what I felt? I felt I wanted to run down and find out what was going on. I wanted to get there quick. See, there's an attracting power in a healthy good spiritual atmosphere. So we've got the idea about atmosphere now. All right, then now I want to talk a little bit about your spiritual atmosphere and then how you form and shape that. Okay, so uh, your spiritual atmosphere is just the prevailing spiritual influence surrounding you. Your spiritual atmosphere is just whatever spirit is prevailing, whatever spirit is prevailing, or literally it's the presence or the spiritual presence that surrounds a person that's held around them by what's on the inside. Remember, gravi- remember, atmosphere, the natural atmosphere is, a, is an influence that's all around us, held by the earth's gravity, but your spiritual atmosphere is a spiritual presence around your life that's held in by your inner life, held in by your God life, held in by the things you are saying and doing on the inside and also giving voice to outside you. See, so that's your spiritual, your spiritual atmosphere. And it's very distinct, it's very tangible. You ever got with a person and they are, there's such peace that when they're there and they, they sometimes just being in their presence, you feel calm. See? There's a spiritual peace there. Some, you, you can be with some people and when you're with them, you just feel very loved. They haven't said or done very much, but there's something flows from their spirit. There's a prevailing spiritual atmosphere. So, so there's a spiritual atmosphere. Now, the spiritual atmosphere around us is made up of a mixture of things, but it can be any one or a mix of these things. Number one, your human spirit. 
your human spirit. See? Think about a football match. Everyone gets excited. You can feel the excitement. That is the human spirit. So your human spirit is designed so that it fills all of your body and can extend into the area or region around you and influence it. You're designed that way. Your human spirit is designed to bond with God and receive a flow of life from the Spirit of God. Your human spirit is designed so it can bond with another person, hence two shall become one. Your human spirit is designed to be able to flow out from where you are beyond you and begin to influence and fill what is around you. Your spirit flows. Your spirit is not contained to the limitation of your physical body. In fact, your spirit uh, can leave your body. I won't go into all of that. We'll touch on some of those things a little bit later. So you find recorded examples of that in the Bible, many examples of that in the Bible. Okay, so the human spirit. So your human spirit, that's you. You can release you can express a life from within you that affects everyone around you. A second is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So a second uh, influence in the atmosphere around us is the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit can so invade the atmosphere that no one can stand. In the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles 5, they were worshiping and praising the Spirit of God so invaded the atmosphere, no one could even stand. They all fell on the ground. The Spirit of God can come and fill the atmosphere, and when He fills the atmosphere, miracles and healings take place. If been a Benny Hinn miracle crusade, there'll come a point, and he, he might just be talking around for a bit, but he's waiting for the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost comes, and suddenly miracles break out everywhere. There's a spiritual influence of the Holy Spirit, and he was the one that brought that there. See, it came to a man, came to a person. See, because God seeks to work through a man or woman. So he can invade the earth. He wants to come. He wants to do miracles. He wants to invade your neighborhood. He wants to invade your home. He wants to come, but he's chosen to limit himself to work through you and with you. So we have to learn how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Okay, then. And the third kinds of of spirit that can be around, of course, are demonic spirits. And uh, demonic spirits, when they are around and fill the atmosphere, then they oppress and they shut people down. They create an unhealthy spiritual environment. They shut you down. They cause you to wither and diminish and not flourish. It's like living in a polluted atmosphere all the time. You can't flourish. You can't flourish. We're not designed to flourish in a demonic atmosphere. We're designed to flourish in the atmosphere of heaven the presence of the Spirit of God. That's what we're designed to flourish in. See? You have a, have a demonic atmosphere around, and of course it affects your whole way of life. And many people, now get this, I'll just say this, many people have learned to accept a prevailing demonic influence in their life and never stop to think it may not be them and to challenge it. If you can't challenge your own personal demons how will you challenge the demons of others? And what happens is we allow to settle on us things which depress us, fill us with grief, cause a fear of reject. We allow them to settle on us without realizing, I'm not designed to live in that atmosphere. I'll die. I need to prevail over such things. So Saul, the Bible tells us of King Saul in 1 Samuel 16 verse 14, he was oppressed. 
See, he fell out of relationship with God, walked in disobedience, and he was oppressed by a spirit. It would come on him, and he'd get a downer. He'd have a black dog day. I used to have black dog days. as they go on for days. But they're actually a spirit of heaviness oppressing me that I just thought was me until the day I realized it wasn't me and began to contend to have dominion over it so I could live in the presence of the Spirit of God. Get the idea? So now, so human spirit, uh, the Spirit of God, and, the, uh, and demonic spirits. Now, of course, you choose what's going to flow and what will be around your life. It's your choice. Now, I'll make that choice for you. It's your choice. And let me give you two key, very simple scriptures. I'll develop them at another time in another series. But here they are, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 17. The Bible says, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So how many spirit there? One. That means when you are joined to the Lord, when you become a Christian and you walk with God, your spirit is joined. And that word is the same word like in a marriage, two becoming one. They're two distinct people, but they flow as one. So good marriage, the couple flow as one. They're in unity. Now, of course, you can get into disagreement and grieve the Holy Spirit, but if you become sensitive to Him and begin to listen to Him and we begin to walk with Him and we do the things that please Him and follow His promptings, we begin to walk and flow with Him. Now, notice this. If my spirit is joined to the Holy Spirit, then when my spirit flows out, the anointing flows with it. When my spirit flows out, the anointing flows with it. Notice in John 7, verse 38 uh, and 39, it says, Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And this Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit just doesn't flow out of you. You have to be part of this. You have to give yourself. So if you're locked up and demonized and subject to demonic atmospheres and oppression... You are locked inside. You can't release your potential. You can't release what God has given you for that. So I want to build an atmosphere around my life that creativity can flow and ideas can flow and life can flow and joy can flow and I can have a strongly positive influence around me. Is that right? Well, now you choose that. You choose that and you develop it and you build it. It's not something that just happens. Everything you build, you build. You don't just sort of have a whole lot of materials there and hope the building will put itself together. It doesn't happen that way. Now, how many have heard of the word charisma? Charisma. And you kind of think, well, you either got it or you haven't got it. Yeah? Well, uh, uh, charisma is an, a divine impartation to people. How many people have charisma? We all do. We've heard of the charismatic movement. Uh, you know, the charisma that comes from the word charis, the grace of God. Is there anyone here that doesn't have the grace of God? We all have the charis. So we all have the potential to be, in a measure, charismatic. Because you think, well, that's not me. Time to upgrade mentalities then. And get in touch with who you are as a new creation person. You are charismatic. Why? Because God has given you grace that you might impart it to others. And to impart it to others, you've got to catch it and be free in it and flow in it and access it continually. This is what God has called all of us to be, charismatic people. People who flow in the gifts of grace, the grace of God to others. This is wonderful. I'll give you some keys, some simple things in a moment. You get, just trying to get your thinking right around this. So, of course, certain, natural, certain uh, people who are not born again also have a great degree of charisma. They're flowing from their human spirit without the Holy Spirit, but they still have charisma. 
So another definition of charisma is it's, a, it's an empowerment uh, to be able to influence people. Now, you notice this. See, see, Kennedy, President Kennedy, a political leader, had tremendous charisma. When you were around him, you felt his personal presence. He influenced people. Never looked at some top entertainers, top movie stars. They carry what you, a presence, a charisma. There's something about them. But when they go off the rails, boy, that something leaves quick. Okay? And, uh, and uh, people who are spiritual people can carry a charisma too. Now, charisma, I'll, I'll develop that when we talk on things of the human spirit and developing the whole flow of the life of the spirit later on in the year. But uh, let me just say this. Charisma is the flow of the life of God from within you, and it comes about, of course, we need focus. You have to have a focused life. A divided life is not going to flow. You'd be too divided. You, there's no sense of... People are attracted to where someone is really focused and know what they're doing and know where they're going and are non-compromised. It is extremely attractive. When people have a sense of responsibility and they, they're, they're determined they're going to make a difference, they, they've taken an ownership of something, I'm responsible, I'm focused, I'm going to change it, there's something comes out from them. And they're vocal. <gasps> you have to be vocal to be charismatic. You have to give, speak words. So we'll touch on those things a little bit later because that'll become a part of how you influence the environment around you. Because if you take a negative defeatist aspect of end times, you'll tend to withdraw from what's around you instead of seeing it's my mission to influence it all, to invade it. We're called to invade it all. So I need to carry the kind of atmosphere that is an invasive atmosphere. You don't go into a place just to hide. You're not called to hide your light. You're called to let your light shine. And it's just got to be more than just doing good works. Yes, do good works, but you've got to be vocal. You'll say some things. Oh, oh this is starting to bite me. Okay, so how do we shape our spiritual atmosphere? Let me give you some simple keys. The shape means you create it or you cause something to come into a definite uh, form. You, 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 you're shaping it. It's not just something that, oh, well, it's going to be right. If God wants to use me, use me. Now, that's not it. Actually, you create an atmosphere around your life by distinct things you decide to do. You literally form and shape the atmosphere. And, uh, and a key problem in this is overcoming passivity. Passivity. Now, passivity is a major issue among men, and particularly men in our nation, and, uh, and among a lot of males in the West. It's a, it's a male issue. But everyone can be passive. Let me just describe passivity, then we'll talk and give you the keys how you can break through this stuff. Okay, the word pa- to be passive means, get this, not participating readily or actively, not participating, they're a spectator, watch what's going on, not participating, a person not participating, is descri- we would describe them as being passive, they don't participate actively, here's another word, meaning of the word passive, means to submit to something without resistance, so a passive person lets whatever's out there flow over them and they become under it. That's a passive person. This is clearly not a prevailing spiritual atmosphere, is it? Passivity is my enemy. Here's another one, another definition of passive, being passive. Here it is again. It's lacking will or energy being lethargic. Lacking will or energy. In other words, it's a choice. If you're passive... You've grown that way by choices made 
you can come out of that by different choices if you're passive. And no believer, no follower of Jesus Christ was ever called to be passive. We are called to advance the kingdom of God. And in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12 it says, Now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Or that word means literally, it's people get in there forcibly. They exert energy. They make decisions and they pursue diligently till something comes about. That's kingdom. That's what you're born into. That's part of your new culture is now no longer passive, yielding to whatever's this way, that way, blown around this way and that way, but you've got something in you and you know where you're going and what you want to achieve and you are becoming active in making it take place. See, now, that's a lifestyle. That's a lifestyle. So we need to break out of passivity. Of course, once we've talked about it, now you're going to be responsible for this, okay? Okay, now let me just give you then some simple keys. I'll give you some simple keys. Every one of them could be developed, but I'm just going to give you the keys and leave you to develop them. This is about your future. Now, sometimes we need help to get out of passivity. Sometimes people have been so shut down in their spirit by the lack of nurture or the hostile spiritual environment at home, they actually need ministry to help unlock their spirit and free them. But for the rest of us, we've just got to make decisions. Okay? A decision not to be passive. I will participate actively. I will not submit to things without resistance. If they're bad, I'll resist them. Okay? I'll stand up and resist them. I won't be walked over by the prevailing spiritual atmosphere. Now, you got that. Remember, because we're going to talk about how to change the atmosphere around you. Well, now you've got to change. This is the one you've got to deal with because either you prevail or something else prevails. You'll find that very quickly. Go into some atmospheres, and sometimes it's time to retreat. Sometimes it's time to do something. Take charge. Okay, then. So let's give you some simple keys. First one is take responsibility for your personal spiritual atmosphere. You've got to take responsibility and own it. It's yours. I'm not going to make it. I can help you. We provide an environment where you're nurtured, but you've got to actually choose to be responsible. Now, in 2 Corinthians 5.20, says, Now we are ambassadors of Christ. An ambassador is a person who represents someone and speaks and acts on their behalf. Now, if we're going to speak to you about ministry and flowing in the power of God and releasing the power of God, you first have to stand up and say, I'm responsible for my own spiritual life and the atmosphere around me. I will start to do something about it. So stop blaming someone else. Stop saying, that's just me. I'm that kind of person. No, you're a born-again person with capacity to change. A new creature is inside you waiting to come out with the right kind of things to get out. But you've got to own that. If you are passive, then you chose to be. And if you're going to get out of it, you've got to choose not to change. To change. You've got to change. You've got to do something specific or you'll never change. Eh? So reject the old mindsets. Reject the passive mindset. No longer will I stand back and just observe. I will be part of the solution. I will be involved. I will do something. Need to do that. Okay, so number one, you've got to take responsibility. So if it's going to change in this year, if you're going to be a different person, non-passive. A lot of teenagers get very passive. A lot of adults get very passive. I was incredibly passive. Males in our home were incredibly passive. I've had to have a major renovation. Still in underway. 
Every year there's something new. Break out of that passivity. I just become passive and switch off. Disengage. IQ would drop about 30 points. <laughs> Waiting for someone to do something. No, I don't do that. Okay, number two. And this is an interesting one. You have to manage your inner world. You have to take responsibility to manage your inner world. Proverbs 23 and verse 7. Proverbs 23, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. You've got to actually deal quickly with the junk. I'm not going to go into all the how-tos of that right now. We've got other places we can do that. But you need to deal quickly with negative thoughts and feelings. You've got to acknowledge them and resolve them quickly. In other words, don't let stuff sit there. If you let stuff sit in your heart, it will become a doorway for demonic oppression and a demonic atmosphere to sit on your life. A lot of people are depressed because they're angry. See, so, so, so if you've got guilt feelings, resolve it quick. If there's real guilt, just confess, put it right. If there's not real guilt, just then reject that thing. Reject it. So you've got to reject being guilty. Jesus doesn't have a guilt trip. Religion does. Jesus got no guilt trip. So if, you, if you've got those kind of guilt, if you're feeling angry or hurt, just acknowledge it and deal with it quickly. Don't all day. Bang, 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 bang. You just things will go bad for you all day, and you'll have a bad atmosphere. Ever been near an angry person? Don't they just alter the spiritual atmosphere? And there's a, and either, most people just shut down and flee. See? Best thing you could do is confront it and subdue it. Ah, oh, that'd be good to do that, wouldn't it, eh? Instead of putting up with it and saying, I <laughs> try and keep them happy. No, you don't have to keep them happy at all. I told someone here, but they're angry at me. I said, they're allowed to be angry. As long as they let it go today. See, they talk to people. You, got, you can subdue anger. You subdue anger by telling the person their behavior is totally unacceptable. Please stop this behavior. Make them hell to account for their behavior. Or just talk quietly and softly to them, ask them what their problems are, help them quiet down and be focused on a solution instead of just venting anger. But you can do something. But passivity, not option. Huh? Non-option. Hey, no passivity around here. Okay then, so, so offences and fear, all those things. If you've got negative stuff, deal with it quickly. Just deal with it quickly. Okay, here's the next thing then. Having done that then, okay, now develop, now this is an interesting one. Develop stronger expressions with your body. Now, a lot of people, I'll talk about vocal expressions shortly, but stronger expressions with your body. Now, one of the things I found about passivity, it creeps all over you, and then your body just won't cooperate in any kind of way. It just doesn't want to do anything. And, and uh, we, need to make, we need to take dominion over our body. In Psalm 47 verse 1, it says, Clap your hands! A few people who feel like it, who are charismatic and like that kind of thing and go to a Pentecostal church. It doesn't say that, does it? It says, clap your hands, all you people, shout it to God with a voice of triumph. Hey! I hear over here, but I don't hear much over there. Come on. Come on. You've got to learn to do something. Make your body move. Take dominion over your body, which is very lazy and wants to not do anything. And you find that you can begin now. You're not just going to go around clapping everywhere you go, but there are times in your personal life and times in your body you've got to learn to take dominion. One of the ways taking dominion is to make your body do what it doesn't want to do. So strong clapping, strong clapping. Move your body, move your body. 
When we're worshiping the Lord, move your body. Because what happens is, you know, have you ever seen someone who's, oh, I better not say that, uh, someone who's uptight, who's uptight, and they're sort of stiff, everything's stiff, their body just won't seem to move. I feel like sometimes grabbing it and stance down the front and whirl. See, see, what's happened is the body is, is, not, is, is being passive. You've got to break the passivity. You don't have to jump all the time. But you've got to, if you can't jump at all, there's something wrong. Unless you've got broken legs or something, you're in a wheelchair, but that's fine. Eh? But you can still, look at that brother over here. He, you can tell he's jumping. He might be in that wheelchair, but he's jumping on the inside. I can see it. See? See, so not, not constrained, okay? So, so move your body, smile, dance, express yourself, especially in your times of prayer. Move your body. Make your body stop being passive. See? Okay, and then, then we begin to get vocal expression. Develop stronger expressions of praise. Develop strong vocal expression. You've got to learn to speak and say and do things. Now, there's a few things you could do. Psalm 100 verse 4, the Bible tells us, if I want to enter into the atmosphere of God, if I want to break through from the natural realm into the realm of the Spirit, very simple, it's right in front of me. Heaven's not a long way off. All I've got to do is just do what God says to do. And he says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and my heart I'll enter his courts with praise. I know what to do. Thank him and praise him. So if I will just give myself to thanking and praising, then I can open heaven. And once you've learned to do it, it opens up very easily, very quickly. So here's some things you can do. Develop strong vocal expression. Strong speaking in tongues. Oh, the shakara. Now, now, let it rise up from your spirit till it's got some energy and life in it. You say, oh, I'm not like that. Oh, you agreed with that old passivity. Oh, too bad. Everything in life's going to walk over you. Change. Just change. Of course it feels awkward. You know, if you just say, how many people ever had the thought, I'd like to get fit? Especially right now. I'd like to lose weight then. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we've got the 90% here, there. Okay, then. Now, but you know there's going to be pain. There will be pain before you get fit. You go run around the block once, and that's fine. The next day, you're starting to feel a bit weary. The next day, you're aching. day after, it's all over. You're back in bed again, being very passive. Your body won the day. You have to make decisions. And follow them through. So, make, so learn to speak strongly in tongues. Learn to praise God. Use the word of God. Take the Psalms and read them aloud. Read them with feeling. Thank the Lord. Eh? Thank the Lord. I will magnify the Lord with thanksgiving. So I can open up the world around me, the spiritual atmosphere of God, and connect with heaven by speaking in tongues, by praising the Lord, by thanking Him, by gratitude, those kinds of things. Eh? Declare the word of God over your life. Start to speak what God says over your life. As you speak it over your life, you find everything begins to shift. The whole atmosphere changes. You've got to do it long enough and strongly enough and consistently enough till you feel and get the breakthrough. Then it's easier to maintain. Until you have. See, so I, I watch people in services, and, and I don't mean any disrespect. Because I can remember myself sitting in a service with all these people doing hoot and hanner and jumping up and down and stuff. And I just thought, what is this? And then, you know, and then I want us to, to raise the hands. No, they couldn't get past the waist. They literally couldn't. They were frozen. When it comes to praising God, they were frozen at this height. What was that all about? That was just self-consciousness. I needed to break through it. You can't, because you're laughing, I'm not like that. Actually, I was like that. I was worse than that. I was very much worse than that. But I changed. And you can change. It's possible to change. But you've got to make a decision. 
Take responsibility for your spiritual atmosphere. Deal with your inner world. Then begin to start developing strong expressions with your body because that's, you notice here in a, in, a, in a match, a football match, you have a look there how they create an atmosphere. They don't sit, oh, that's a jolly good run, wasn't it? That was not bad. Was it? A good run, isn't it? They don't create an atmosphere that way, do they? They're strong, wholehearted expressions and that creates the atmosphere coming from the inner man, full of enthusiasm, just everything given into it. So you start to do that with God, the whole atmosphere around you changes. Spiritual atmosphere shifts, everything shifts, everything changes. You've got to learn to do it. Okay, here's another, here's another key there. Manage your outer world. You need to also manage what's around you. You've got to make decisions. I'm not going to actually let what's around me prevail over my life. So that means you've got to watch what you're looking at, what sort of things you're feasting your eyes on, what sort of things you're listening to, and what kind of people you're hanging out with. You become like the people you hang out with. So hang out with good people. Now, you're friendly to all, but your friends are people who are going forward for God. See? If you make your friends the unsaved, you'll find after a while, if you don't have a strong inner life, they will eventually take you where they're going. Now, so you've got to just guard your outer world. So we just, in other words, be on the alert. And then the final thing is you need to consciously release the life of God. Now, you need to consciously release what's in our spirit. Now, that means I've got to do something. I've got to be quite proactive. So if I've spent time and I've built with God in my prayer life, had time in the presence of God, strong expressions, now I can start to let something fly out. Now, you ever seen a person who got a little bit afraid on the stage and they still got a bit, a bit nervous like this and, 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 and then they, they sort of shut down. Now, what you're feeling now is I'm withdrawing all spirit life completely from this. I'm actually shutting down, letting my soul block you all off. And that's what many people live their life like. I can come and choose to smile and speak and appreciate and praise and acknowledge. And I can start to do things with my voice that actually start to change the things around me. You can stand up inside even with a little prayer. In Jesus' name, I take dominion over this heaven. I release the life of God and just begin to see the life just flowing from within you. You see, you can release the life of God all around you. Today, Father, everywhere I go, I carry the life and joy and vitality of the Holy Ghost. And you see it before in prayer, long before you're doing it. And then you begin to develop a different ha habit. When you walk into a room, go say hello to everyone. Don't wait for everyone to come and say hello to you. When you see someone who's a teller, greet them. Hi, how are you doing? Thank you for what you're doing for me today. Just start to express the life of God wholeheartedly. And you begin to start to have an influence. You find the atmosphere begins to change. See, so you walk into a room and it's all shut down. Well, you can change it within a little while. But you've got you to have to speak things. You have to do some things. You have to talk. You have to speak. You have to start to actually arise on the inside instead of shrinking. Shrinking is because we're intimidated. Arising is because we've chosen to be ambassadors and to have a prevailing spiritual atmosphere. See, the Word of God, alive in my heart, wherever I go, the life of God is flowing out of me. I am joined one spirit to the Lord. The Spirit of God flows out of my innermost being. I thank you today, wherever I am, that life will flow. I see it long before I'm ever out there, and the life of God surely flows. But you've always got to make the decision not to be passive. Tell someone next to you, don't be passive. Don't be passive. Change. 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 
change, change, become vocal, become expressive, change, get around people who are.